Hello, everyone. This is your always tactful host, Pendy. And this is Paul, also known as East X Twitch. What you doing over there? Well, I've been inspired by Pissarro Bainsorn's return to tact, and I'm trying to see if I can perfect his secret of evolution. Don't you just mean Pissarro? They may have used the name Bainsword in Stars, but they dropped it for tact. True, but he will always be Pissarro Bainsword in my heart. I even renamed him that way in my game. Uh, I guess even somebody like Pissarro has fanboys. And isn't messing with the secret of evolution incredibly dangerous? Nah, I got this. I got the recipe from a nice man off Craigslist. Totally legit. Here, hold this. Drinking from strange bottles. What could possibly go wrong? Okay, I'll take that back from you. Mix this together. There. Bottoms up. I don't think that worked out the way you thought it would. All I did was turn you into a crocodile-like monster. Oh, I think you're right. This is not what I was going for at all. I do not want to command the Furfang Legion. I am no Beast King. You know, I actually think it's an improvement. But while you figure that out, I'll go ahead and welcome our audience to Tactfully Die, a Slime Time podcast spinoff that covers just about everything in the world of Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Die, and... Dragon Quest Tact for mobile. That's right. <clears throat> Sorry. There we go. That's right. We'll discuss the latest and greatest with Dragon Quest Tact first. Good. I'd love to talk some Tact. Happy belated Dragon Quest Day. How did your pulls go? From the uh, tickets, I was able to pull a Bones of Baramos, a Demon King, Orgodimer, a Splutterfly, and various dupes. How about you? How'd your polls go? Well, I, I bought the big package they offered in the shop so that I could do the maximum number of pulls, and I also did the paid pulls. Ooh. So having done that, I maxed out Nira, which is neat. I got Seraphy up to four hearts. You know, I awakened several others. And as far as new units go, I got Vera, the Beast Lady, mm. and Gem Slime, which I had really been wanting. But I did not get Terry. I don't have him yet either. That's too bad. You know, I pulled on the banner that gives him, and it just didn't work out. Mm. But alongside the anniversary banners came the Humanoid Psaro banner. I got him, and that's good, but it took me a paid pull and eight gem ten pulls to get there, which is still kind of a lot. And I've only gotten the one compared to everybody else who got like 12 Awakenings. (laughs) But I did max out the A-rank unit, Rose Garden. Yeah, it was uh, it was funny. I mentioned last episode we probably wouldn't get him until July, right? Well, we got him a lot earlier than was expected, which, you know, I'm not complaining about. I was all prepared to go and get him and go all out, but then I got really lucky. I started with the paid gem pull, and I just got him right away. Yeah. So with the uh, regular pulls uh, that I did afterwards, I was able to get two dupes after that. Uh, I already have him maxed out. I have uh, plus 10 on his all his abilities except Grease Lightning at plus 9. I had some gems left over, so I went over and I got Veronica as well, which is wasn't sure if I was going to get her in the beginning, but now that I have, I'm so thankful I did. She is such a kick-ass mage. I was stalled at S6 with uh, Pissarro. Uh, I needed one more crystal to get him to S7, and I kept doing those uh, stages where you can you know, sometimes get one of the crystals. But then I realized I could just get it from the Mega Boss Battle Exchange Shop. So now he's S7 and level 120 as well. Uh, I also went ahead and, just like you, I got the Super Dragon Quest Day set that they had uh, three iridescent orbs, among many other resources. I mean, it was kind of expensive, but I think it had a decent value to it. Yeah, it's probably the best value in one of those large packages that we've had Mm. so far. So besides 
pulling great things and gotten some new units, which, of course, we would then go on to use in the arena. This week's arena is cooler than usual because you can win really good prizes. You can win irises, gold, and if you come in at the top rank, you get an iridescent orb, which is amazing. The only bad thing for me is that whenever we have one of these, like, anything goes kind of arenas, I always end up facing units that I can't handle all that well. And yeah, yesterday I lost a battle, so... So getting that iridescent orb is by no means guaranteed for me. Mm. I'm doing uh, pretty great now. The special, I mean, basically the arena week this week is the, the special Dragon Quest Day arena week. Like you said, lots of great prizes to go for. And I think we're halfway through it now, I, I want to say. And I'm actually doing really well. I'm still perfect. I'm ranked uh, number one right now because I haven't lost any points in any of my battles. We'll That's see nice. how long that lasts. Thank yeah. you. We'll see how long that lasts. I don't know. Uh, so far, I'm using a team of uh, Pissarro Banesword. Knock, King She Slime, and Vera. However, I had the worst week ever before that. Like, absolutely awful. The physical layout of the arena was terrible for my usual speed team, especially my King She Slime. Couldn't really, with that setup, I couldn't really hit a lot of people at once. And so I ended up actually settling on an ice team with uh, Santa Alina with a lead. And I thought that would be good because it's crack week. You know, crack, crack potency was up 40%. And Santa Alina's leadership ability makes all enemies' crack weakness go up about 25%. Wow. And I coupled this with a Dimensional Dragon, Claria, Great Dragon, and Boreal Serpent, all you know, you know, crack-based enemies or characters. But I lost so many times. I only made it up to Master Level 3. And that never happens. I always make it up to 1, at least. So moral of the story, crack is whack. <laughs> well... I'm no expert, especially since I lose every now and then. But I think that having too much of one element isn't necessarily good. You know, like you want a couple to take advantage of it. But more than that, probably will expose you to I mean, you'll have units who are resistant to it or whatever. And it'll actually make things harder. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it, and it depends on, like, who you uh, pick from the choices that you're given. So you can usually kind of avoid that. But I could have, with the characters that I had, some of them had different elements. So, like, for example, the Dimensional Dragon does crack and does boom. So oh. that helps. Uh, but not all of them are like that. Like, if Ice Dragon runs into someone who's very ice resistant, then they're it's, it's screwed. <laughs> yes. It has no other type of attack. Uh, so my team did have weaknesses like that. I just could not put together a good team. I probably should have tried to do, like, a week-to-week uh, thing that I used to do where I would just try and focus in on weaknesses or, or have uh, strengths for my team that they couldn't take advantage of. But I just, it was just so bad. I had, I was just horrible that week. It was horrible. It was bad. That's too bad. But this week is the one that matters. So it's good that you're doing better now. Mm-hmm. Speaking of fighting opponents, the first guild tournament in Dragon Quest Tact has just ended. The way the guild tournament worked is basically that you would need a certain number of members of each guild to sign up to participate in it. Then there was like a, a prep time and eventually you would get matched against another guild. And basically one day everybody from one guild would fight everybody from another guild. And then the next day you do it against a different guild. Then there would be an off day in between. And then it just repeated like that so that you went through maybe a maximum of eight battles, I think. But so that was interesting and none of us quite knew how it worked in advance, right? But mm-hmm. it, still, it still worked out pretty well for my guilds. Aces 1, which is the one I'm in, got third place in the platinum bracket. So only two people did, two groups did better than us. That's not bad. And um, we also finished at rank 15 for the month, which is the best that we've done so far. So I'm pretty proud of that. Then 
Aces 3, which is our more casual guild, came in only one place behind us, which is really cool. But Aces 2, which is the like mid-level guild, actually did worse than 1 or 3, which is funny. Hmm. And you guys? Well, the, the guild I'm in was on the struggle bus. Well, first, we didn't realize that the defense team we established is not the same as the attacking team that you're going to use. And, of course, with attacking teams, you know, you can vary it from battle to battle. Then we lost all of our qualifying matches. That put us in the bottom league. I thought, eh, no no problem. Maybe we can dominate there. Nope. Uh, The first round, we only lost by a little, which was unfortunate. We had three more people left to play. Uh, We had two of them in our Discord and got them to do their matches. But then there's this last guy that was left over that was one of our randos someone that wasn't in the discord that none of us knew and unfortunately this person hadn't logged in for five days at that point so we lost that that match and (laughs) of course we we ended up booting the guy that disappeared at the end of the month uh, got rid of him Uh, we finally won our next match the next round and we won out won the rest of our matches in the final tournament and ended up getting second place in that bottom league uh we'll definitely need some adjustments for uh next time we do this (laughs) just a little bit (laughs) yeah you you know you brought up a couple of the problems that we have when it comes to guilds intact you know one is that people will quit and then it can screw you over if they do it, say, during a tournament. And yeah, one guy in Aces 1 quit during the tournament. So that that held us up a little, but it could have been worse. But then the other thing is just the fact that only some people are going to be in your Discord and not everybody unless you're super strict. And yeah, we haven't accomplished getting everyone in there yet. But even once you get them to join, then you need them to check back and actually be communicative, which is apparently a big ask sometimes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's time for our tip of the day. But before we get to that, I noticed you saw an interesting post on the Dragon Quest Tact Reddit page. Yes. So someone posted they were worried about the speed of the content coming out. We'd actually addressed that ourselves the last in the last episode. So we did. Re- yeah, we did. Recently, we had the Christmas, Halloween, Die, and DQ11 events all running at once. There was a great response from the TAC community manager about that. And what did he say? Are we slowly gearing up to catch up with Japan? Nope. Not at all. Some people had theorized that, but he specifically stated the global TAC team has no plans to catch up with the Japanese content. We will always be somewhat behind. Personally, I don't mind that. I like to see what they got in Japan first, and by the time the content gets to us, then we know what characters are any good by that time. You know, I'd have to read over just what he said to really formulate my opinion, but I mean, it's obvious that we're moving at an accelerated pace that it does catch us up somewhat compared to how we started out. So if they just flatly denied it, then I'd say, well, obviously that's not quite the case. But like you said, we're going to end up where we're at least a little bit behind Japan, just not as much, right? And as you mentioned, it that actually benefits us because, yes, we can look at the resources they've created and see, you know, what they thought of things. So I do like that. You know, ideally, I would guess maybe like two months behind would be uh, would be a really good sweet spot, but we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, they even went on to say the team is aware that the last series events may have caused some burnout and overstretching of resources, and they have taken that feedback into account for working out the schedule going forward. So that was good to see. The community the community manager stressed that he will continue to provide the TAC team community feedback from what he sees on Reddit, Facebook, Discord, and other similar platforms. So don't be afraid to put your opinion out there about using the uh, when using various social media sites 
that when it comes to text. We are being listened to as a community, which was nice to see, especially being a Dragon Quest fan. Gee, maybe we should get that guy in our Tact Facebook group, which is honestly the main place on Facebook that people communicate about tax. So I don't know how hard they're listening if he hasn't joined the group, which I don't think he has. I don't, yeah, so honestly, I don't know if he has or not. I didn't. Uh, that'd be something. Maybe we could. Uh, maybe we can get him on Reddit and see if he is part of that group because he did mention Facebook. So. So someone must be looking maybe yeah but they're probably <laughs> talking about just the reactions to the game's facebook posts you know oh are, like their like, official their official facebook yeah and uh, people group. barely even yeah. comment on those in the That's first true. place but yeah so we'll see but yeah we'll look him up anyway now that we've got that out of the way it's time for the tact tip of the day tip of the day did you know that youtube is a fantastic source of strategy for the harder stages intact that's right tacticians you can often find multiple videos using a variety of character setups to take on those nasty difficult missions intact including those ex stages there are some regulars out there that consistently put out good videos like nocturne eye in the sky tuki bankai whoever that is and dragon quest tactics news and guides they don't always use the same strategy in fact they often don't so if one guide uses a character that you don't have try out the others to see if they would match your team that is amazing they sure have helped me out in the past that was our tact tip of the day tip of the day now let's get into some more die every week we're going to review two episodes from the newest dragon quest the adventure of die anime in the future we will always do reviews of the manga, upcoming die console news, and maybe even a little bit about the merchandise as well. However, neither of us plays the mobile game, because we're busy. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> so the uh, first episode that we're going to go into is episode five, the insignia of Avon. So in this episode, after taking a powerful attack to defend his disciples, Avon makes the ultimate sacrifice by using his powerful Magante spell to sacrifice himself to try and take Hadler out. Very dramatic. Indeed. Uh, so in this episode, I loved seeing the Dragon Quest reference and the use of Kuklang. Avon used it here on someone else to, well, Avon used it on the rest of the people that were in the fight to protect them from what he's about to do. And I think that spell in Japan is called Astron, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. So that I just thought that was an interesting name. Obviously, all their spells have different names, except for Magante, which is the same. Yeah. And, you know, I thought it was interesting how sometimes in anime it can get ridiculous, how the protagonists will have time to have emotional moments with each other while, you know, with the other characters, while the antagonist just presumably kind of sits there. In this case, Avon actually glances at Hadler, who gives him an approving nod to say his goodbye. So I thought that was cool. It kind of goes in line with how honorable of a fighter he will continue to be in one-on-one -on -one matchups in the future and funny that you mentioned that because in the original anime avon actually asks hadlar directly to show him some patience and then hadlar agrees you know then avon goes about saying his goodbyes and he individually says goodbye to everybody including gomechan and brass and finally he walks over and hadlar like complains a little bit but he thanks him for his patience <laughs> so that was really neat. You know, both versions, it's cool to see them acknowledge that. By the way, we're taking a little time out to talk here. Yeah, and in those uh, goodbyes, he gives out his special insignia of Avon to die and to pop, and those will become uh, very important later on in the series. Oh, yeah, and a little extra thing about giving out the insignias. And yes, those insignias are really cool and meaningful. Mm. But, you know, 
as he's doing that in the classic anime, the, both of the boys are crying, you know, and I think yeah. they cry in, in the new one as well because they know Avon's going to go sacrifice himself. But they're crying and Avon makes a little joke. He's like, uh, you know, I know it's great that I'm giving you these insignias, but you don't have to cry over it. You still need to work hard to become real heroes. You know, just a cute little touch there. He knows what they're really crying about. But yeah, it was a good deflection. It was nice. Exactly. And something else I noticed from uh, being caught up from what's airing in Japan, they seem to really like these big dramatic uppercuts, like the one that Hadler lands on Yvonne or the one that Dai lands on Hadler later on later in the episode. You'll see that from time to time as the series goes on. It's I guess the the creator of the manga is a big boxer boxing fan or maybe Mortal Kombat or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've never taken an uppercut, but it's gotta hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the Magante that uh, Yvonne does, very cool. And I like how he kind of hesitates for a second, uh, thinking about a particular woman uh, that they show in a little flashback. Because I think it was a Hadler, like, says, like, oh, you know, what about the people that you love or something like that? And that's when he has a little flashback. But I will never not be grossed out by Yvonne sticking his fingers in Hadler's head. It always grosses me out so much. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that that woman is interesting because I don't think it actually showed her in in the classic anime so it's a little bit of extra foreshadowing or or who knows what it where she's from oh yeah it'll be it's foreshadowing they'll oh, they'll okay. reveal who who she is later i won't say but yeah they will that's good yeah and penty knows that because he's a little bit farther in the the new series than i am mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but yeah it's the uh so the magante spell like we were talking about before how they kept that name as opposed to using one of the uh more modern translations that they use in the dragon quest games these days uh it's known as a kamikaze in the dragon quest games oh. uh, and so for whatever reason they decided to go with that romanji literal translation of magante instead of using that established Western translation that they use for so many other spells on the show. So I thought that was cool. And it kind of, I like the sound of it better. Magante, it sounds cool. Yeah, Magante is just a good name, but quite an interesting choice not to go with an official translation, since they usually do. Yeah, yeah, even like when they were doing uh, Your Story, like they would, yeah, like Your Story, they would still, you know, stick with the Western translations to the point of annoyance, because I remember... Like there's who is it? Who's the blue-haired uh, wife? Is it Nara? Her name's Nara, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So in in Japan, she's named Flora. So it's great for the dub that they use the new translation. They say Nara instead of Flora. That's fine. But when they're doing, but even with the subtitles, they still use the the modern translation. But you can clearly hear the characters say Flora, Flora, Flora when it's really Nara. But it's, it's whatever. Yep, that's the thing that happens. Yeah, but uh, I love the moment where Hadler rushes die, and he lands that perfect gut punch right as Hadler reaches reaches him before he can do anything. The way that it's drawn with Hadler's expression really reminded me of the punch-out games, where you would land a similar hit during enemies that charge at you, and they would get knocked down with a very similar surprised expression. The punch-out character, uh, Bald Bull, was particularly famous for that timing you could pull off when you tried to rush you. Yeah, it is a really nice dramatic blow. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, we also learn a little bit about Dai's crest, the one that appears on his forehead, as Hadler recognized it as a dragon crest from a dragon knight, and which we'll learn about uh, later in the series. Yeah, I guess this is the first time they actually mention dragon knights, isn't it? Yes, it is. And then also in the fight, later on in the fight, so Hadler uh, kind of produces these X-Men Wolverine-like claws in the middle of it. He's kind of like a mage that can fight like a monk class. And I really like that mixture of abilities. Uh, it's actually very similar to Rab 
from Dragon Quest XI, except Rab is a sage as opposed to a, a mage. Good observation. Yeah, I, was, I thought that was cool. I just like that mixture of like a monk that can cast you know, very powerful spells or or I guess you could look at, you know, either way or as a, someone that has very powerful spells that can also fight like a monk. But it's, it's cool. I like his fighting style. Indeed. So the pose of die that they do with the green dragon in the background, I thought that was very cool. Uh, I like how they juxtapose the two images together. And that's when they're making the Dragon Crest observation? It's like it's after he has made the observation. So like it's already been established like, oh, he's a Dragon Knight. Uh, so that's when they they do that shot later on in the fight. Not too. I don't think it was too much, uh, too much uh, time afterwards. I see. And they do it in the, old, the original anime, too, except it's more of a cloudy you know, face of a dragon. It's a little bit more. It's not as dramatic as the one that they use in the new anime. Yeah, it's harder to see for sure. And so the fight ends with a very nice Avon Strash that Dai is able to pull out. And this uh, defeats Hadler. And I thought it was amusing how Hadler uh, is like, oh, he's lost like both his arms. They both got cut out, cut off by the Avon Strash. And he pulls out uh, this wing of Wervin to zoom at, away after losing. I was not expecting that type of Dragon Quest item to show up there when I was first watching the show. And I thought that was really cool to see that item pop up. Aren't they called Chimera Wings nowadays? Oh, it might be. Yeah. Good, good. But yeah, um, I, always, I always love it when Dragon Quest items like that show up. Yeah, you mentioned him getting his arms cut off. Actually, in the newer show, I don't think he actually loses his hands at all, does he? I really think oh, they oh, yeah, just... Oh, yeah, he does. They, oh, does he? Yeah, because he spends the he spends uh once when they go cut back to him, um he's regenerating his arms that he lost in the that's, new one too. Yeah, that's interesting because the way I the way I remember it, like his hands were bloody but not actually off, and even when they're regenerating, they just look like like they're just kind of bloody hands, right? But in the classic anime, his hands are definitely off, which oh, yeah. is well shown by the fact that when it shows him regenerating, they're just not there, and then they kind of grow back like rapidly but uh it looks like when deadpool's regenerating limbs in the deadpool movies oh yeah, yeah you know so it's actually more grotesque in the classic anime oh yeah for sure and then at the end we get like this nice overview of a lot of the dragon quest monsters as hadler kind of addresses his minions they threw in a lot of dragon quest monsters that have been created since the manga ended so there's a much bigger variety variety shown than what they had in the original manga and anime which was nice i really like that part and also in the classic series, I think this differs in the classic series when he's addressing them. He actually names the six legions. Did he do that in at that point in the newer series? No, because in the next episode, that's when I'll, I, I've got a note about how they actually do it differently. Yeah. OK, so curious difference there. Yeah. The same the same episode, by the way, doesn't it end with pop crying? Yeah, um, that episode, you know, they've won and everybody's happy but pop in particular is really affected by the loss of oven yes. and you know he bends down crying and everybody understands but i noticed in the old series the crying goes on for longer and it shows several flashbacks of things we've seen with oven in the show you know because i guess they can afford to reiterate points like that by using more flashbacks yeah, because they do like a flashback of like how uh, Avon like recruited Pop and the troubles that he was going through in his younger life, and they'll go, they'll also go into it in the new anime in later episodes. But they do it. Um, they also do a flashback here in the in the old that in the old anime. Yeah, and seeing that was a big difference. Like seeing Pop get recruited and how that happened so early in the show, that was really cool because I'd always wondered. Now then, let's talk about episode six, Crocodile the Beast King. So in the episode, Dai and 
die and pop. That's right. They're wandering in the forest looking for the castle of Romos. They rescue a little girl. They meet mom for the first time, but then they leave mom and they end up encountering Crocodine. Yeah, and Crocodine is one of your favorite die characters, right? If I remember right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so he starts out as a bad guy, but you can tell he's quite honorable to begin with, you know, and that's communicated even now. And everything about him is interesting. Like he's a cool design. He has cool moves and powers that you might not expect him to have. His axe is very memorable. Mm. What a great character. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, I thought it was also interesting, speaking of design, how in the old anime, the little girl that's lost in the woods gets attacked by a tree face and some off-brand version of a werewolf. It's dressed like a werewolf, but has a more realistic-looking wolf head. In the new anime, they keep the tree face and use a Toriyama-style werewolf that looks more like the one from the games. Yeah, slightly different design there. When Dai and Pop are lost in the forest... In the, in the new anime, Pop complains to Dai about it, right? But in the old anime, we actually find out that Dai had a map that was made for him by a chimera who observed it by flying over the land. Oh, so yeah, map wasn't very accurate for navigating through the trees on the ground. <laughs> yeah, and I think in the new anime, they just emphasize that the forest is kind of a maze and easily lost because it's got an evil aura or something like that. I don't know. That's right. Yeah, and then, of course, we have the introduction of Ma'am. I love her magic canister weapon. I thought that was a nice invention of the show and a different way to showcase various Dragon Quest spells. Definitely. She's a, a cool character, you know, very confident and smart, and she's she's got the gun, like you said. And uh, speaking of Dragon Quest Tact, which we play, the, the Ma'am character in that, she's got some of her abilities, but they're limited by how many canisters she has rather mm -hmm. than magic points. So... It was cool to see that reflected in the mobile game. Oh, yeah. They did a good job of uh, kind of matching the abilities to what they could do on the show. I thought that was really nice. Certainly. And Mom is she's just a great character as well. I mean, like so many of these characters, you know, that's what I really love about Dai is, is the characters, you know, like some of them are lovable and interesting. And of course, later on, she'll pick up some new skills and stuff. But even right at the beginning, she's quite distinct from typical fantasy archetypes. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of uh, of archetypes, <laughs> so I thought it was funny how like it uh, when you know, Mam approaches them and then Pop is rude and he's like pointing his finger at her and accidentally pokes her and he's like and then he looks at his finger and he's like wait I made a squish down he's like what squish what what is this and, and but of course you know he he touched what he shouldn't have with his pointing and Pop and Man are not a fan of each other when they first meet after that whole incident. Yeah, a bit of an opposites attract thing going on there. And it's funny because she just walks right up to him. So he should have been able to tell that she was a girl. But in, in the classic anime, she's more shadowed, you know, so I guess it, sh it should be darker than maybe it comes across in the newer show. Yeah. And they kind of play it off like how she like puts on her goggles like right before they approaches him. So I guess maybe that makes her seemingly look more masculine or something, having the goggles on. Could like do. It, making it harder to tell. You know, the whole the whole Batman, the Batman and Robin thing is like Robin just has a little mask. It's like, I don't know who you are. It's, it's a little mask. No. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just uh, again, in this episode, uh, Pop once again not showing his best side as he uh, doesn't want to stay overnight in a tiny village as opposed to staying in an opulent castle. That's true. I think part of that might just be because he's so instantly mad at, at mom for getting mad at him or whatever it is that that set him off but but yeah certainly he's he's a bit of a greedy dude and not the most heroic early on 
Mm-mm. And poor Gomechan. He, uh, he almost gets shot up by Ma'am when he first appears. Poor little guy. If only he could say, I'm not a bad slime, he'd be all right. <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting. The way that he first appears is that Ma'am and the little girl Mina find him in a bag that Diane Pop have left behind, which explains why they then go to pursue Diane Pop, even though they've agreed to split up, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in the classic anime... There's actually a scene back on Dermline Island where Gomechan is asking Grandpa Brass if he can go along with Dai because he doesn't want to separate. But Brass says no because he would be influenced by the the same thing that turns monsters bad, right? But uh, then Gomechan sneaks into a bag anyway, and we even see the bag get loaded onto Dai's boat. So just it's something that you don't need to see to understand. You know, like Gomechan sneaking along, it just makes sense. Yeah. But still, it's cool just to fill in those blanks sometimes. And also, it's worth pointing out that Gomechan seems to be invulnerable to the Dark King's influence. Yeah, because I think they pointed out earlier when uh, it started affecting everyone, like you could, they show all the monsters, even Brass, Brass starting to get affected by it by Gomechan, uh, for some reason just does not get affected by it at all, and they show that. Yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what I also love in this episode is I love how the show uses their version of an eyelasher or dark eye, as some might some people might know it, as a spying and communication device for the dark army. It's always fun when they use uh, Dragon Quest references in this way for the show. I also noticed that the uh, the color scheme, even in the old anime, is that of a Dragon Quest V iPod, a variant of the eyelasher. I, now, I did notice that like the anime started airing in 91 and 5 came out in 92, so maybe they liked the uh, the color scheme and die, and they used it uh, for the game. Could be, could be. And yeah, those, those spies are creepy looking for sure. Yeah, oh yeah. I remember, uh, I think they show up in Dragon Quest 2, and they're so creepy looking in Dragon Quest 2. They're probably one of the creepier monsters in that game. Huh. So we also learn in the mid-show break that Hadler's Claws are called Hell's Claw, something not mentioned in the previous episode. So I thought that was a nice little... Uh, cool tidbit of info that wasn't in the show i don't know if they maybe in the, the manga they spell that out but not in the uh, the new anime could be we also learn of pop's very immature version of what he'd like to see in a woman this happens yeah. when he and die have separated from mom and they haven't encountered crocodile yet but anyway he explains that he wants a woman who who is rich and will do whatever he says etc and die calls him out for it yep <laughs> He's just, uh, he's not the best uh, best person in the world. And they really showcase that in uh, this episode, for sure. Yeah, and yet he's he's also not the worst either. You know, like, he really grieved for Avan and really cared, you know. So he's got his good and bad points. But, uh, you know, setting up those bad points mean that there is room for the character to grow. And that's certainly different from a lot of American storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Crocodine, as we alluded to before, is introduced in this episode. I really liked how they cleaned up his design in the series. In the old anime, he kind of looked a little goofy at times with his design and animation. But in this new anime, he looks a lot more intimidating. Yes, he is really cool. Oh, and I forgot to mention that Hadlar is light green in the new anime, right? Yes. Yeah, and in, in the old anime, he's actually more of a turquoise blue. So I just thought that was different, how such an important character could be interpreted with different colors like that. Oh, that's true. I didn't. I forgot about that. Yeah, they also we had talked about it a little bit before, but they make an interesting, interesting choice for explaining the six legions of the Dark Army. As you pointed out in the old anime, Hadler kind of talks to himself about it uh, in the new anime while he's like addressing the legions. But in the new anime, Crocodine explains it to Pop and Die as he introduces himself 
as one of those Legion commanders. I think it makes a little more sense than Hadler kind of explaining his own own army to himself. So I understand the change of why they did that in this case. Yeah, it's more natural and less obviously expository. Yes. And, uh, you know, speaking of exposition, I love how Dai's internal monologue to himself in a certain scene when he says, but you didn't do anything when Pop tries to act tough in front of Crocodile saying <laughs> how they had defeated this and done that. And Pop is just there thinking to himself, but you didn't do anything, dude. <laughs> Dai is thinking that, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because our friends can often see the flaws in us that we don't even admit to ourselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and- and uh, another bit of dialogue that I loved a lot. You couldn't kill a slime with this spell, you know, said by Crocodile. <laughs> Anytime they incorporate DQ terms like that in their speech, it's wonderful. He's saying, like, ah, spell couldn't even kill a slime. It's great. <laughs> yeah, that's some good boasting. So Crocodile's axe is a weapon that can cast spells, which apparently is a staple for the Dragon Quest series, isn't it? Oh, yeah, because there's so many weapons. Um, when did they start doing that? Did they have any weapons in one that could cast spells? It's probably three, maybe. Yeah, it's two or three. I think, two, oh, two, two, two can, because doesn't, uh, I think there's like that sword that you find in the cave to Romos, isn't that the... the if you use it as an item, then yeah, it casts yeah. a spell? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they it's started right. doing that, uh, that uh, what do you call it, that mechanic in two, and it became a staple of the series ever since then. So I thought that was really cool how they incorporated that into the, this show, then this manga. Yes, and in the anime, they specifically said that like, didn't I hear that legendary weapons can do that or something like that? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and also, you know, later on, it's funny how Mam takes out the uh, this Infanticore that shows up that chases down Pop. She's got this, like, really heavy rod weapon of hers that was great. She smacks it real good <laughs> right in the face. And uh, also, I noticed that the Infanticore has, again, has more of a realistic lion head design in the old anime in the manga. But in the new anime, they, just like with the Bewerewolf, they make it more... They, let, they make it look more like the Toriyama-styled one from the games. They seem to do this a lot in the new anime, where they'll take the Dragon Quest monsters and make them more on-model with what you would see in the game series than what they did in the past. The more on-model, the better. Yeah, and uh, through her necklace, we learn that Mam is also a disciple of Yvonne, though Pop gets a little too close in noticing this and gets uh, smacked by her again. Yeah, the show is not too proud to take advantage of every little opportunity for sexual tension mm-hmm. so as die and crocodile are fighting die gets paralyzed by crocodile's secret heat breath he's about to deliver a fatal blow crocodile is but then pop and mom show up mom takes out her magic gun aims it at die instead of crocodile which freaks pop out and then she fires a blast of magic at die much to pop's horror and that's where the episode ends yeah it's like where what did she fire at die was she an enemy all along i guess we'll find out next episode same die time same die channel (laughs) at this point what was covered in 11 episodes of the original anime has been covered by six episodes of the new anime moves along at a nice brisk pace yeah, they're moving they're moving right along with the new one, that's for sure. So now I was hoping to talk about the Dragon Crest box set of the new Adventure of Die books here, but I'm still reviewing them. So next episode, I'll do a small review about those as I look into them more. Uh, I also put in a pre-order for the Crocodile Metal Monster series by Beautiful. coincidence. They're going to do him in a, 
and also an advanced version of Hadler. But I really like the look of the Crocodine figure in particular, so I put in an order for the Crocodine figure. And in place of the box set review, I have a surprise for our co-host. Uh-oh, what is it? That's right, it's time for everyone's favorite Slime Time game show, Mary Thwack Puff Puff. I approve of one or two of those things. (laughs) Okay, for this one, we are going tact-themed. Are you ready? That's my secret. I'm always ready. Good, good, good. For this one, we are going to go with Santa Cristalinda, Spooky Valencia, or Party Animal Giuliante. What are your choices? Well, I can't decide between my favorite waifus. I'm just going to order three Puff Puffs. (laughs) Ah, it's uh, the man of culture. I got it. I got you. So for for me, I would uh, whack uh, Giuliante. I think most of my party days are behind me, and she smokes, and I don't need that in my life anymore. So no, thank you. Uh, Crystalinda really puts the ho 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 in the holiday spirit, so I'd go with a puff puff there, and I will marry Spooky Valencia so she could bake me all those tasty treats. <laughs> well, that's all for this episode of Slime Time Tactfully Die. If you want to prepare for the next episode. Be sure to watch episodes 7 and 8 of The Adventure of Die anime on Crunchyroll. We don't use Patreon. If you do have any money that is just completely strashing in your wallet, pouch, bottomless bag, treasure chest, pot, barrel, safe, or even searchable wall sack, and you would like to donate anything to a website that's been supporting Dragon Quest fans for over 20 years, stop by the Dragon's Den at www.wudis.com den and click on support this site. Wudis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den fan site for decades. He personally edits every YouTube version of our podcast, and he fully appreciates any donations to help keep the servers running. The Dragon's Den website also features an Amazon affiliate link. If you click the link and then make a purchase, a small fraction of the sale will go to support the Den. It doesn't cost you anything. And even if you try to give me money, I'm not going to take it. So don't even try. As part of the Slime Time Extended Universe, or STU, you can direct comments or questions for the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at DQ Slime Time. And you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash eastxtwitch. Come watch me play a variety of games every Saturday, kids. Getting back to Dragon Quest, consider joining in tons of Dragon Quest discussions at the Dragon's Den forums, one of the few remaining forums still around. Find it from the Dragon's Den main page or at woodus.com forums. You can also find us and other rabid Dragon Quest fans through the Dragon Questers and Dragon Quest Tact global Facebook groups. We'd love to see you there. Or come hang out with us and tons of other hardcore Dragon Quest fans on the officially unofficial Dragon's Den Discord server. We'd like to thank everyone that made this episode possible, including Pendy, Woodus, the Dragon's Den, and Tom Cruise. Tell Xenu to spare us all, will you, Tom? And a special thanks to Platy for helping me out with our rotating podcast logo. Please like, subscribe, and write a review for the podcast. For more Dragon Quest Slime Time, check out our library of episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Audible, YouTube, and more. Goodbye, everybody. And remember, don't hate. Appreciate. Time to zoom on out of here. Ah!